0: Well, this morning we're going to continue in the book of Proverbs, um, multiple scriptures, so it might be easier if you write them down and, and as we go through them. Uh, you might have time to look them up if you had start with uh, marking your Bible where Proverbs begins and uh, thumb through that way, but uh, we'll be jumping around. You know, as we've been going through Proverbs, the idea was uh, practicing Proverbs in an ordinary life. In other words, the idea is to apply the book of Proverbs to our daily walk, our daily life. And uh, we've taught, started with the idea to fear the Lord uh, is the beginning of, of wisdom. Uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says the beginning of knowledge in the ESV. Uh, but that word knowledge is one of those words that that... In the Hebrew language, according to context, can have different meanings. And then there, the idea of knowledge is that idea of wisdom and and understanding. So, uh, the beginning of wisdom is is the fear of God, and that's extremely important because all the way through the Book of Proverbs, we're going to be the word wisdom is going to keep coming up. Wisdom and foolish or folly, foolishness, folly. Uh, wicked, world, uh, a number of, of words that are in there uh, are the opposite of wisdom. Wisdom, fear of God, foolishness, folly, the world, the way the world thinks without God is absent the fear of God. And so when you see those comparisons, understand that's what's going on. They're, they're saying, you know, the, either you have the fear of God or you don't have the fear of God. And it is that cut and dry. You either are acknowledging God and all He is and His ways and His word, or you're not. And those that are not are categorized as people who are in folly and foolishness. And it tells us over and over again the way to destruction. The, it's the path to death. Uh, it's, it's several things that it identifies that way. Uh the, words, the the world's wisdom is called, uh, at a couple of points, the adulterous woman. And the idea of an adulterous woman there is is that it is a metaphor for the idea that, that anything that puts God aside means you've put something ahead of God. And therefore, you've ignored Him. And from the perspective of God, as He looks at that, you either are a follower or you've put something ahead of Him. And in putting something ahead of Him, the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you see it, it calls that a form of adultery. In other words, you're ignoring who should be in charge and choosing something else. Romans puts it really clear. We're more inclined as the world to look at creation and glorify it and worship it rather than the Creator. And so that's what God is saying. Those who glorify nature, worship it, instead of God, the Creator, are it's a form of adultery if that's the the metaphor that's used here in proverbs um and then the godly wisdom is called the you know lady wisdom. there's other terms there uh but the idea is that the adulterous woman has no fear of God, the lady wisdom has the fear of God, and so we've we've talked about that, and then we've also talked about uh the idea of beware of being a fool, <laughs> you know. BJ's uh, message last week, how not to become a fool. Uh, and of course, what, where would that start? By learning to fear the Lord, <laughs> the opposite, a fool. And so uh, today, we're going to look at the importance of friends within the framework of uh, walking with the Lord and foolishness and wisdom. And, and so uh, that's where we will, will focus today. So would you join me in prayer as we, we begin in the Word? And also, I, I forgot to ask you to pray for my uh, son. He's on a road trip this week uh, down to Southern California. He'd be gone all week. And so, you know, they're traveling today and be coming home over the weekend. So I appreciate your prayer support there. Father, we come to you this morning to say thank you that we have your Word. What an awesome thing it is to, to have your Word. You tell us explicitly it's God-breathed. If we don't start there, it doesn't have much value. Because it's just man's words then. But when, it, when we come to it as God breathed, we understand, Lord, You gave the insight, the, the, the breath, the intent of what it is to say and mean to those who wrote it. And so we come to You rejoicing that You have revealed Yourself to us in such a way that we can come to You, come to know You, to grow in You, and cause Your Word to come alive to us this morning. And then Your Holy Spirit, Lord, would work in our hearts and our minds, not only to see it and understand it, but then to apply it. Because that's the the, the final point of, of looking at the idea of wisdom, is, is how we apply the knowledge we gain. So we ask for that help. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today, the importance of friends. Proverbs one ten. uh, uh, 110, uh if, is where I'm going to start the, the first uh, verse to read. And it's the uh, Father again speaking to his son. And all through this we'll have that picture of the Father speaking to his son, wanting him to have understanding and wisdom. So here we go, verse 10, chapter one, "My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, "Come with us, let us lie and wait for the blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us uh, swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. Shall we, find all pre- we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. In other words, the idea is, is if we come against those people that are around us, whether we take advantage of them or actually we to rob them, the idea is to, to take advantage in such a way, I gain, you lose. And as we gain, we fill our house with plunder, with spoils of, of our victories. Uh, throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. We'll all share together. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the, in the sight of any bird. By the way, that's the idea. is, that, is, the, is the, There's a snare out there. It's the devil's snare, the devil's trap. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They, they set an ambush for their own lives. Such the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So the, you get the unjust gain, you do it the, you know for self and greed. It actually takes your life. I think that's an amazing picture to start with here with this idea. What kind of friends are you running with? And, uh, for, uh, in, in chapter 13, verse 20, it says, whosoever walks in the, uh, with the wise, those who fear God, become wise. They become God-fearers themselves. But the companion of fools, those who don't fear God, will suffer harm. And the harm here is, is, is the idea of destruction. And I, I know that I have referred to this a, a couple of weeks ago, but I'd like to just mention it again. If you want to look at Psalm chapter 1, the, the, this is an outline of, of, again, very much of what we're talking about. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. All that he does prospers. And that part of there, all that he does prospers, is in reference to when they are meditating and resting in God's Word, you start to act on God's Word. So everything you do starts to reflect God and His purposes. Whenever you're in that position, God honors it and He will provide all that you need to accomplish His purpose through you. Uh, and, and that's without exception. He will provide what you need to accomplish His purpose. Uh, and and sometimes He will hold back so that you don't go out and accomplish your purpose. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's the, the balance here. But the thing I wanted to point out was just verse 1. Because it's a cycle. If you walk in the counsel of the wicked, he's saying blessed is the one who does not do this. But if you do walk in the counsel of the wicked, to start to take their intent and listen to their words and and use their ideas as to how you want to figure out your life, you will end up standing in the way of sinners. What that means is starting to walk the same direction they walk. To stand where they stand. And if you do end up standing with them, you'll ultimately end up mocking God with them. So, as you read through Psalm 1, you can look at the inverse of what it says and say this is the same thing that the Proverbs is saying. If you stand with the foolish people, if you take the counsel of the foolish people of the world without the fear of God, you will end up like them. Several of the Proverbs, I'm not going to go through them all, uh, talk about how the how it rubs off on you. In other words, when you hang around evil people or wrong people, this type of thing, um, the people who simply don't fear God, you you start to find yourself drifting from what you what you actually believe, and 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 it's it can be a very difficult position you to end up in. So I want to encourage you. You know that this this is what Proverbs is saying. Who we choose as our friends is really important. Now, someone's ultimately going to come up and say, yeah, well, don't we have to make friends with the world in order to witness and, 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 and share with them the things of God? That's not the friendship we're talking about here. The friendship that is being talked about here is the kind of friendship that is the influencing, close, intimate kind. It's why God says uh, that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. Uh, he says that in reference to uh, Scripture it's uh, frequently, most frequently used in, in the idea of marriage. But quite candidly, it, there's, it's, it was meant to have a far broader application uh, as far as being unequally yoked. Uh, and I've seen it over the years of people where there's a Christian and a non-Christian in business together. And eventually it hurts, it hits, and there's a division over how we're going to do business. Uh and uh it's it's important to understand that the the idea of when you get into an intimate relationship of any kind, your closest friends, your your spouse is supposed to be your very closest friend. Uh and, and the idea is to be yoked together in the fear of the Lord. So getting to that is is important to, to start with that thought. Um the um, next part of it is, again, we come to uh, look at, at Proverbs chapter 24, verses 21 and 22. It says, again, my son, fear the Lord and the, and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly for them. Someone says, well, sh- how should I fear the king? What if the king is, is not somebody that is doing what is right? Um, you have if if the king is asking you to do something against your faith to cross your religion, then you can stand like the apostles did and say very clearly, I must obey Christ rather than the law of man. Acts chapter four and five, deal with that. Chapter six we see the consequences of that, and and chapter seven, but we we see what happened to, to Stephan when he took that it cost him his life it cost paul's life it cost most of the apostles their life all of them except one uh their their lives in in the sense of 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 martyrdom and so we are still to honor though the king in fact romans is explicit about that god is the one who allows whoever is in control to be there again god's got a, a tapestry of of the picture of things all we can see is this little part right here, and, and 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 or you could look at a photograph, you could do anything, and just say this is all I've got of it. I can't figure it out, okay? Other than I can see this little piece that is my part. But when we see face to face, I really believe one of the things we're going to see is how the plan came together, and we're going to say, oh, now I get it, Yeah, I understand now. We have to have the confidence. That even though we can't see it at the time, God works all things together for for the good of those who believe and for His purposes. Period. Romans eight twenty eight is a is uh, people say it's a catch all for for you know uh, lack of faith or, or not understanding. It's the it's what God said. We can rest even when we don't understand why. And so. We have this picture: uh, fear the Lord and the king. And those who are 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 doing the otherwise, stay away from them. Don't 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 get into the same rote that they you know position that they are. Paul gave us advice that was similar. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Or bad company ruins good morals. That's a proverb from Paul in 1 in Corinthians. By the way, you're going to find proverbs throughout the Scripture. It's not just in the book of Proverbs. Jesus has several of them that He that he repeated. Some of them are original to Him, but become proverbs for us. And we'll look at some of them today. Um, so we have, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals from Paul. And I put in here for my own self, little, you know, uh, and, and we also have the idea of, of, of kind of the opposite where we look at a positive side of this. Uh, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When we are in like mind, we actually build each other up. We sharpen each other. We make each other better for the purpose Okay, and so iron sharpening iron is to do what? How do you? What I don't know what picture you have of iron sharpening iron, but the, the idea is, is sharpening a knife or a, a sword on a on an iron uh, or stone. Iron, you know, you can actually do it with two knives. You can actually sharpen. I I watch these butchers. I think of, I'm thinking of one. His name was Baird Weinrich over in Willow, California, and uh, he he would sit there and he go. With his knife like this, and then cut a piece of meat like butter, and I'm sitting there, you know, and I miss a finger, you know. Um, so it's, you know, this iron sharpens iron. It, it prepares us for the purpose. We prepare each other for the purpose we're designed for. Iron sharpening iron is to cut, and it prepares it. The idea is that we're prepared for that. Per, uh, the purposes God has for for us. I uh, I want to emphasize that within the framework of looking at um, friendship, we need friends. We need each other. All through the Scripture, within the framework of the church, we are told to be able to build up each other, encouraging words to each other, praying for each other, all of these different things that friends would do for each other. And and you'll see how that ties together in a minute. But we need friends. But I was thinking as I was uh, going through this, the idea of what, what uh, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. Uh, in chapter 4, he says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Now, have you ever been doing a project where if you only had an extra set of hands and another back that you could have accomplished so much more? I certainly have had projects like that, and and you know it's it's one of those things. The idea of two coming together can actually do more than one can do by themselves. And I think that's a, it's a great picture. We that's like friends are to be. Two of them together can accomplish more. We we pray together and we 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 encourage each other and. And, and it's great, I, uh, to pray with someone else sometimes and feel the, the synergy, if you will, the, 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 the power of a Holy Spirit working through you, where two or more are gathered together, there the Lord is, this type of thing. And so, having this person working with you, someone that is close enough that they can share your burdens. God has no intention of us carrying our burdens by ourselves. That's not his plan. His plan was that we would be able to share with one another and build up one another. It's become difficult at times to do that in the church today. Uh, And I I will share bluntly it's because we lack one thing that that, uh, needs to be there and that's a sense of confidence and confidentiality. When something's mentioned in church it's not supposed to go out unless somebody says oh and you can share this with everybody. If not You know, then it's supposed to be something within the framework of those people that it's being shared with. There's nothing more frustrating than to share something in church on an intimate basis and find it on Facebook a week later. So it makes it hard for us to have that confidence. We're supposed to be able to to have that. We need each other for this. We're not supposed to fight our battles all alone. And so I want to encourage you in in both those areas, you know, the idea is to to come alongside people to share. And remember, as we share that, unless we're given permission, it's confidential, period. He writes with that, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And again, this comes into prayer. This comes into to ministering one to another. So what you start to realize is that you have different levels of friendship because when Jesus talked about love one another and, and He says, well, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, well, who's my neighbor? Well, And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay. Was the person that was beat and left aside the road, the the Hebrew man that that was robbed, was he the Samaritan's good friend? Close friend? Intimate friend? No, they'd never met. And the odds of them being intimate friends under any other circumstances would have been very rare because they were, in a sense as an ethnic group of people they they were very separate from each other but when the samaritan saw him he he said all those things aside and he went and he helped him okay so as i share with you don't don't misunderstand there's a broad spectrum here of how we reach out to people and minister to people, and minister to the poor, minister to the injured. Come alongside. That's outside of the picture that I'm, I'm building here. This idea of intimate friendship. By the way, though, that's the kind of thing that could turn into an intimate friendship. So here's here's what I, I wrote down, and this is just uh, it's it's uh, from different uh, it's different levels of friendship. And it's one of the things that comes from examples and illustrations that, you know, that you can get books on uh, to, for public speaking. <laughs> so these are not my own ideas, but, but they, they work. Friendships should be on different levels. There are some friendships that are on mere acquaintance level. Some will involve the sharing of facts. Others will allow us to share more of our emotions and our innermost feelings. Others will be more engaging as we involve ourselves in sharing responsibilities. And then finally, there will be some rare friendships where we are able to be completely transient, open and honest with a few close friends. Ask the Lord to help you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so you can know what level of friendship to, to have with people around you. So, I don't share the most intimate things of my needs with just anybody, but I do need to have somebody. That would be my closest friends. There are other things where I might turn around for prayer and say, you know, uh, well, I've asked you to pray for my hip, okay? As a collective group of people, you know, and said you're free to pass that on to any prayer person that you know. Uh, so there's different categories of things, and we need to have wisdom as to how to to share that and when to share that and who to share it with. And uh, and and so, again, that's something that we need to pray for. But again, focusing for the moment on this idea of intimate friends. We need them. The person that comes alongside that you'll know will be there to pick you up when you fall down, this type of thing. Um, f- there were some definitions offered in this same uh, chapter of this book. It says, friendship definitions in and, and modern day proverbs. One who multiplies... Here's a definition of friend one who multiplies joy and divides grief i thought that was really good it's pretty concise and I, and, I, and and what it is is that these are actually proverbs from the scripture melded together so there it is one who multiplies joy and and divides grief or one who understands our silence in other words the, it, they 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 respect the fact that you can't tell them right now and they they'll, they they don't feel left out you know a friend is one who knows where you are understands where you've been accepts who you've become and gently encourages you to grow in other words when you know, we're, we haven't become all that we're supposed to be, and yet our friend doesn't abandon us when we're not growing fast enough. They come alongside and nurture, they water, whatever. There was uh, a sign, uh, a, 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 a part of this that says, Beware also. You know, prosperity begets friends okay you can and and there's some proverbs that that were going with that. The idea was is that if you come into sudden wealth, you might have a lot of friends all of a sudden. beware <laughs> uh and and so prosperity begets friends. Adversity proves them. I thought that was another great one. Prosperity attracts a lot of friends, but pros- adversity proves them. And I was thinking of a person that I, that, that I know who went through ex- extreme, quick, rapid wealth and then experienced the loss of it. And I, I, I don't know his whole story and, and all this thing, but that was the one that came to mind. I know that he had all sorts of people you know, wanting to help him invest and got these good ideas for you and all this stuff when everything was going well. And, and, and I wondered, as, as I read this, I wonder what happened when he didn't have any of that left. How many of them came to his rescue uh, alongside and helped him maybe even pay a few bills because he couldn't, couldn't, didn't have the money to do it at that point in time? That's when you know who your friends are. Friends are like uh, good health. You don't realize what a gift they are until you lose it. Or you lose them, and maybe you've experienced that. You've had a good friend who's been alongside you, and and uh, through the loss of life or through uh, extensive uh, mileage, they where you move apart. You don't you don't have the same relationship. That uh, things change, and and you realize you know the few people that we have that we really have the confidence to trust with everything about us are relatively few. And it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that way. The best example, though, for for looking at friendship is Christ. And so what I'd like to, to do is to turn to the, the Gospel of John uh and uh, turn to chapter uh, fifteen and look at verses twelve through seventeen. I'd read it to you. it's this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So he starts right off with the idea that I have mentored this to you already. I've shown you how to do this now, Share what I've mentored and taught you. Greater love, and then he gives an example here. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard uh, from my Father, I have made known to you. He has shared the most intimate things with them. You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, has, He may give it to you. These things I command you that you will love one another. So what we have here is the initial commandment. Love one another. And that comes back to... Uh, where Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. But He also tells them in John 13 the need to love one another and that this is how people are going to know that you're really a Christian. It's the way you love one another. Now, this goes to the extension of all the levels of friendship. How you treat people. Distant and close. And I'll tell you that... I have had the 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 misfortune of being in a in a in a store, uh, in, a, in an aisle of the store, and and hearing somebody loud enough from the op- the aisle on the other side talking about their church and their pastor, and you can't help but think, I wonder what they say about me, you know, uh, you know, uh, but the idea is is that it, it wasn't nice. Now, if I was the believer. What, what, why would I want to go to their church? That was in a, as public as you can get. You know, grocery store talk, you know, and, and it was gossip. So, this idea of, 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 of a commandment is to love one another. How do you speak about people you love? You speak with, with kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience. Uh, when you go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and it says, The fruit of the Spirit is... Love, patience, kindness. I believe that that actually is the fruit of the Spirit is love manifested in eight different ways of kindness, gentleness, mercy. And they're all manifestations of the word love and how we show it. love If you love someone distant or close, if you have this attitude of love your neighbor as yourself, even if you don't know them, you have this compassion for them. And you have no desire to speak ill of someone you love. No matter who they are. Even if they deserve it, quote unquote, the way the world looks at it. We're, we're people who who have, and, this, and again, Paul tells us to be, words of encouragement that lift up. So if I meet someone in the world who's, who is a, a person that, you know, this doesn't know the Lord does not have the fear of the Lord, and I gossip about them. I'm tearing them down. I'm not building them up. This applies across all the fields of, of, the, of the idea of friendship, the people how we love them. But especially the people that are closest to us. How do I speak about my children? How do I speak about my spouse? How do I speak about my family members? How do I speak about my my church leaders? How do I speak about, you know, in reference to, to how I, I talk about them? Am I speaking words of encouragement? Or do I gossip and tear down? Jesus tells us that we are to love one another and the way we love each other. He says just before that in, in chapter 13 that that it's going to reflect on who we are and and how people view the body of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. An example for this is the next verse, verse uh, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Now, he's making a general statement there. Technically, it falls into the category of a proverb. But, but the idea is he's laying down his, his a statement very clearly. Someone who's willing to lay down their life for their friend, that's the great love that you might have for someone. Willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of someone else. And, and the only things that I immediately came to mind were, were all the men that have received uh, various medals uh, through the years in, in military service as they sacrificed, sometime, in some cases, the greatest sacrifice of all their life for the sake of their fellow soldiers, and, I, and and I just thought, you know, wow, that's that's in itself is always just amazing to me that that willingness to sacrifice. But it comes down to us as to are we willing to put our life on the line for a friend? In various ways that we might be. healed. That's the extreme, but. But that implies that that's, we're willing, to to have that relationship with, with someone, especially on the intimate level, is my willing to die for them. Then if I'm willing to die for them, I should be willing to do all sorts of other things less than that. Again, coming alongside, encouraging, lifting up when they fall, this type of thing. And even when they're not perfect, I still love them. Praise God that He 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 that's the way He loves us. Or we're all in serious trouble. And then He says this amazing thing, and you have to put this into perspective. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He is the the image of God. Go to Colossians uh, chapter one and chapter two and 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 read about the preeminent Christ. (laughs) I mean, he he's, he his very breath, words, his very breath holds everything together. Science is still trying to figure out how that works. They will never figure it out, and because quite candidly, without Christ, they're in the foolish category, and, they're, 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 and they thumb their nose at Jesus and, and, and Christ in and the Scripture. Then they're going to miss what's doing it. The answer is Jesus Christ. The one who created it is the one who's holding it together. It's explicit in Colossians. It's very clear. It says it, and and so you know, here's the creator of the universe who holds all things together, uh, who died for the sins of all, and and all of. Us. And it says, you. He says to these uh, d- uh, uh, disciples, uh, he says, you are my friends, and we find. There in in chapter seventeen, especially that that all that this was applying to the apostles was also to apply to the body of Christ, the church. All who come after you, he ta- he tells them. So Jesus says he's our friend. He, the, the creator of the universe is our friend. We're not supposed to take this lightly and, and irreverently. Hey, buddy, <laughs> you know. Because of who He is, we should always be in awe and reverence of Him. But He is our friend, which means He has that intimate concern about us. He's ready to pick us up when we fall. He's ready to come alongside when we labor. When we are witnessing and working for Christ in the uh, in the world for the sake of the kingdom of God, we are never alone. And we'll be as strong as we need to be for His purposes. And we'll have whatever we need to accomplish His purposes. You are my friends. But then he, he puts a condition here. And he, uh, this, has been, this has thrown a lot of people. You are my friends if you do what I command you. What has he commanded him? This is in the context of what he's saying here. What has he commanded us to do? To love one another. And it's in the context of all that he has been saving, saying about the love, love the Lord your God, love the neighbor, all of these things that he has talked about. So, the, the, the initial context here is if you do what I have commanded you, love one another. Uh, look at verse 17 at the closing of this. It says, these things I command you that you will love one another. Now, in other words, this is the emphasis. He begins with it, ends with it. and And so, if you do this If you love one another the way I've commanded you. And by the way, we even sang it today. We can't do that by ourselves. We don't have it in us unless God is in us through the Holy Spirit. So I can't even love you the way God wants me to unless I what? Have the fear of God in me. Not just the fear of God looking over my shoulder and concerned about hell. But the fear of God in me. The Holy Spirit dwelling in me. if you do what I have commanded you. And then He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the Master is doing. That's that other implication. It's saying, I have shared with you the things. What's the most intimate thing He has shared with them that they didn't understand before? They still don't get it. But He's shared it with them multiple times now. I'm going to the cross. I must do this to reconcile the things with God. I must complete the plan. I must fulfill the prophets. All these things that He's shared with them. He is intimately sharing with them. And what's really neat is that you realize that, and John chapter 2 actually shares this because in one particular thing, when He's talking about the temple and, and tear it down in three days, raise it up, they says they didn't realize until later after the resurrection that He was speaking of His body. Okay? And so all of these intimate things that Jesus has shared with them they begin to understand as the Holy Spirit opens their eyes to it. That's us too. How do we get that information? By studying the Word of God. Over and over, somebody says, Well, how many times do you have to read one verse? As often as you need to. I don't know how else to say it. Because, and, and you probably get tired of me saying this one, but how many times have you gone to the Word of God, read a passage that you've been knowing all your life as a Christian, maybe you've been walking with the Lord 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So that, that started to narrow down the group, didn't it? Um, and and the idea is, is that you sit, sit there and, and you say, oh my goodness, this goes with that. I never saw that before. It's just another as, aspect of maturing and growing in Christ. Okay? And so we encourage one another to do that. That's what friends do as well. Uh, And so he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. Again, the idea of intimacy here. The proof that that he's done this? All I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. That's the proof that he is treating them like this as, as friends. All the Father has told me, I've told you. All the Father revealed in Christ has been given to us. We are His friends when we come in the power of the Holy Spirit in us to read His Word. He says something pretty amazing here. He says in verse 16, You did not choose Me, but I chose you. And He chose us for a purpose. That we should go and bear fruit and that the, your fruit should abide last, if you will. Uh, and, 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 and Again, the idea of fruit is explained to us by Paul. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. The focus never seems to get too far away from that. And then he says, So whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. People have taken that scripture absolutely out of context and left the rest behind. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should uh, abide or, or, or last, you know. Uh, and, and this idea is, is that He's chosen us to, to work in His kingdom. Wherever we are abiding in His purpose, whatever we ask, you've got to put it in the context. Whatever we ask, He will provide for us. He will give it to us. And then he says, These things I command you. And he again finishes up the whole thing with, You will love one another. I want to go back to this picture. You did not choose me, but I chose you. In the book of of, uh, Romans, chapter 5. There's a lot there. Um, I'm just going to start with chapter uh, chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, who are the ungodly? They're the foolish in the world. I mean, they're the people who who don't know the Lord. Even he, He died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was counting us friends from the beginning of the world, a plan before the foundation of the world. He chose us according to His plan. And and as a result, He died for us before. He laid down His life for His friends before we were His friends. Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by His death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now been uh, received reconciliation. And the idea of reconciliation here is to be reconciled to God is to be Brought before God, justified. In other words, there is a penalty that is to be paid in order to approach God that must be paid before we get there. It must be reconciled. The debt of our sin must be reconciled. And it says, reconciled to God by the death of the Son, therefore we're saved by Him. we received reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Not through anything that we did, but through everything He did. Amazing love. <laughs> you know, uh, we have, uh, as we uh, approach communion this morning, uh, this, this picture of uh, Jesus, you know, how much he loves us, uh, and again. This picture, we read it as, as part of the reading this morning. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Paul says we've been buried with Christ and risen to, uh, raised with Christ to walk in a newness of life. And, and, and that idea is it, we've put on a new self, which is being renewed. I like that picture, being renewed. It's in the process of continually being built on. Has anybody here arrived? No. It's a continuous process that's going on. That's why a good friend looks at someone who who maybe has sin in their life still and, and, and understands that God's not done with them yet. And what's really amazing, is it's sometimes hard to get through our head, God has maybe delivered us from something in our life and it, and it might have even come easy. And we see someone else struggling with it and they are thinking, yeah, he's really trying. But there's something else that has to be removed first for them. So we come alongside and encourage and give them help, and and as they fall and 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 we don't bring it judgmentally, we come alongside with love and compassion and mercy. Do we make light of the sin? No. But we don't throw stones. We don't. You know, it's just it's just it's a whole different way of looking when we look through the love of Christ and working in us. The death, well, I should say the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the birth is the beginning of this. The Word became flesh. Emmanuel, God is with us. That was the beginning of the sacrifice. His death on the cross was the culmination of the sacrifice. His promises to us that He made as our friend, life eternal, it's proven that He can give it through the resurrection. Physical bodily resurrection shows He has the power. He has the authority. And I, and I wrote here for me, just as a side note, the tomb is empty. I know it's not Easter, but it's still appropriate at any time, right? The tomb is empty. And then I thought, you know, wow, what a friend we have in Jesus. all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And then there was there's there's a part of this song what a friend we have in Jesus. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Now this is just a summary of scripture. I'm not saying this is scripture, but I'm quoting it so as as to understand This is our our Lord. This is our our Jesus. He is our friend. And He's faithful. We are weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care. Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Blessed Savior, Thou hast promised, Thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to Thee in earnest prayer. When we come to communion, we bring ourselves fallen in the flesh as we are because we have asked Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. Because we have come to that point where we have begun in wisdom and we fear God. Fear God not in the sense of tremble, looking over our shoulder, waiting for Satan to... To grasp a hold of us because we're wicked, but the fear of God because of what He has done and resting in the glory of what He has done and what He's promised to share with us. We're in awe of what He's done. You see, this word fear has a bigger meaning than just the idea of tre- shaking and trembling, it also encompasses the idea of being in awe of someone His majesty, His glory, the one who holds the word together by His very breath. He's my Savior. And He did it all through the cross. And that's what we come to at communion. Ask the ushers to to come and to um, pass the communion out. Hold it until we've all been served and we'll share it together.